I remember saying, yo, I want to write a song for Greenpeace. And I remember my, my boss, he was like, they're, they're not going to care about that. And I was like, I was kind of devastated. I was, I was like, what? I was so hyped up about it. I was really young. And I was like, you know, forget it. I'm going to write it anyway. So I wrote this song. And uh, I just so happened to be one of the few, you know, black people in that whole place. Uh, I was happy to be one of the best fundraisers as well. And I just happened to form a really good relationship with their, their ED at the time. Uh, Phil Radford, shout out, brother. Uh, and that man, he heard my rap, and he was like, yo, love it, man, love it. He's he's a hip-hop head, too. So next thing I know, they put my rap on the year-end capstone video that they give to all their donors around the nation. Hey, it's Breaking Barriers, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging podcast. We're here for real talk. We're not afraid to go there. And we want you to come away emboldened and energized to take action and make change. We believe our diversity our differences when joined together by a common set of ideals makes us stronger. When I set out to help someone, uh, it is my intention to do just that. I'm not trying to do anything other than meet somebody at their humanity. Your world has changed, but your dreams shouldn't have to. That's why Kirkwood is your next best step. With affordable, flexible, and close to home options, now's a great time to start or finish your Kirkwood degree. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash findyourfuture. Displaced or discouraged at work, Kirkwood can help you learn a new skill or totally reinvent yourself for a brand new career. With so many flexible and affordable options, you can get back on track fast. Learn more at kirkwood.edu slash find your future. What's up in the world? We're back for another episode of Breaking Barriers, the DEIMB podcast brought to you by our five-star presenting Sponsored Kirkwood Community College and our Silver Diversity sponsored PG Cares. Thanks so much for your support. I'm your co-host, Anthony Arrington. I'm here with my homegirl, Joy Briscoe. How you doing, Joy? Hello, hello. Excited for this one. I love the merging of culture, music, DEI. I can't wait for this. Yes, yes. And we got our partner in crime, Nick Ford. What's happening, Nick? I, I'm I'm not guilty of anything. <laughs> no crime, no crime. <laughs> At least now that I know of. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, yeah, I'm happy. This is gonna, this is gonna be fun. So. What's up? We're about to get into it with our great host. Tell who we got, man. Who we got? We got Coffee J. And uh, boy, we're just gonna be some fun, fun conversation. So, um, yeah. What's yeah. up, y'all? How y'all doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. So we're just going to read a quick bio here for you. It would embarrass you a little bit, probably. So, so we try to do at least once. Um, you know, among the many roles he fills, Coffee J is a change maker, a community organizer, nonprofit worker, hip-hop artist, and the best father ever. And I don't know about that one. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, we'll go with it, though. We'll go with it. Um, as a Bay Area Hunters Point activist fighting for racial and socioeconomic justice, he empowers community members to use their voices and resist structures of inequity, uh, inequality. And he does so in large part through hip hop organizing. His passions for music, grassroots solutions, and community justice drove him to create the nonprofit Hip Hop for Change in 2013, which utilizes hip hop to break down barriers between youth and justice issues that affect their lives and communities. With Coffrey at the helm, Hip Hop for Change employed over 1,000 people in the community, educated over 30,000 youth K through 12, and raised over $6 million through grassroots means. Uh, and public support. Now he's at the helm of a new revolutionary nonprofit, Hip Hop for the People, creating even more space for his culture at www.hiphopforthepeople.org. Yeah. <laughs> Please check it out, listeners. Uh, for all this, Coffrey's work has recently been recognized by East Bay Economic Development Association, receiving the Arts and Innovation Award in 2022. The year before, he was elevated by the Zellerbach Family Foundation and the San Francisco Symphony, winning both the 2020 William Jay Zellerbach Award for Social Change and the Symphony's 2020 Ellen Magnan Newman Award for Outstanding Arts Organization. 
He has Grace Mother Jones, The Daily Cause, The San Francisco Chronicle, The Oakland Tribune, Pop Vulture Magazine, and Music Bailout. Cataract surgery always gets me on these small <laughs> screens. Here, here we go. I got Zoom. All right. Um, there's more. There's more. We're not done yet. His work has been <laughs> featured on CBS News, The Black News Report, NBC Bay Area, and PBS NewsHour. Well, wow, that's going to be a new question right there coming. Uh, his, his brand of raw, revolutionary, anti-white, supremacist, uh, and misogynistic, community-oriented hip-hop is a plus on any stage. If you want your audience to move, Coverage J is your answer. He never slows down. And he has an old website, too, here at Uh Welcome, Coffrey. We're, we're definitely excited that you're joining us today, and, and we're happy to have you here. So right on. Uh, let's Thank get, let's so get at it, and let's, let's uh, as Anthony likes to say, chop it up. <laughs> All right. I chop it up, too, I'm in the kitchen. Joy, so. Joy, I know you're chopping at the bed. What you got for him? Oh, my. So <laughs> many, so many, so many questions. So from the beginning, I just want to know, how did you become Coffrey J? What got you started on this path? Yeah. I think I've always been Coffee J. I think okay. it's been getting people to realize that. I've always okay. Uh, you know, I come from a, a a strong family. You know, my father invested in me in my artistry very early. My dad was always singing around. Uh, he put me in a choir. He was an actor, director. So I was, you know, direct, uh, not directing, acting and doing voiceovers very early on, young. Uh, my parents still being very broke, living in the hood. They worked their butts off to at least get me into a Montessori school until fifth grade when they couldn't afford it. But I got a pretty early start uh, and a lot of support in the household, just being myself, uh, you know, uh, you know, getting encouragement, singing. I was, you know, singing on stage in choirs and whatnot. So I think that growing up in the hip hop community, I was rapping before I even knew what rap was in the shower, you know what I'm saying? It was just who I was. and. Um, I think, you know, being grounded in that kind of artistry from an early age gave me the, 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 the means of analyzing myself, introspection, and, and also, uh, you know, working on, you know, affirming who I am. So I think my artistry, uh, my upbringing, you know, the, the, the effort my parents put into me is why I was able to be my true self in front of people so people could, you know, start to feel me a little bit, I guess I'd say, you know. <laughs> what, was your, what, was your, what was that point in your life? Coffee, where you just, where you said, you know what, I need to talk about social justice, oh, and I man. have this 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 method through hip hop to do it. Like, what was the catalyst that made you decide I'm gonna do that? Yeah, and I'm jealous, you know, by I, the way. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, well, iron sharpens iron, brother. So we have enough, you know, I'm gonna be jealous of you in some way. Absolutely, too. but uh, but uh, yeah, you know. I, I, I remember rapping about stupid stuff growing up, you know, all that male toxic stuff and trying to get off our chest. And I, I remember loving and falling in love with Ron, you know what I'm saying? But I also remember talking about fake stuff that just didn't, didn't really reflect what I was going through, the, the hurt I was going through, or, or, you know, my real dopeness. I remember hearing, like, you know, after I kind of got out of one really toxic situation, um, you know, close to in high school and got into another really beautiful one, where I got invited and introduced to this, new realm of hip-hop that I never really got into. You know, it's like the first time I heard Rakim, because I'm, I'm from Hunter's Point. I was listening to RBL Posse and E-40 yeah. and stuff like that, you know, and some Bone Thugs and DMX. And then all of a sudden I hear uh, Living Legends and Hieroglyphics, and I heard Black Star, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. my mind went, pow! And I was like, holy shit. Uh, these people are rapping about something that, that, you know, really resonated with me, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It was closer to home. 
Um, and I think that growing up, my parents always, you know, they named me Copy. That's the king's name in Africa, you know. They gave me comic books about Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Benjamin Banneker. You know, they wanted me to be rooted in my people's excellence. Um, so when I heard hip hop for the first time, that was just lifting that up. It kind of, you know, you start hearing your ancestral drums in your chest and you can't really unhear that. So I feel like um, from being about 19, you know, probably 18, 19, till now I've been trying to figure out how to make those drums that I feel and I hear in my chest reflect through my rhymes and, and elevate my rhymes to be as, you know, as important as they should be. You know, we stand on, on great shoulders. Mm -hmm. I feel like once I knew that my rhymes could be about that, and I felt that for the first, just tasted that for the first time, like, ooh, snap, you feel that Huey P, you feel that Ida B. Wells, you know what I'm saying? That, you can't, you can't live that down, you know what I'm saying? So I've been, I've been searching for that for 20 years. How has that, how, how do you feel, how has that had an impact on your audiences and on your, your people? Uh, oh, man. Because you're getting into spaces that, you know, and I, don't, I have a follow-up topic. I don't want to harm yeah. the show, but you're getting into spaces that uh, people with your voice don't normally get into. And I love uh, it. I and, love and it, too. Can you talk about that a little bit and how, how you've been able to do that and how, you've, how that's been impactful? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I say when I was working for Greenpeace, you know, uh, I remember writing a, you know, I just, I was just loving the, the, the experience of getting paid to do something that I thought was really good for my community. You know what I'm saying? I really appreciated Greenpeace and their ability to change, uh, you know, change practices for mega corporations and whatnot. Um, I was just really learning about the, the means of activism, strategies, the goals and the tactics and the organizing, you know. Um, and I remember saying, yo, I want to write a song for Greenpeace. And I remember my, my boss, he was like, they're, they're not going to care about that. And I was like, I was kind of devastated. I was, I was like, what? I was so hyped up about it. I was really young. And I was like, you know, forget it, I'm going to write it anyway. So I wrote this song, and uh, I just so happened to be one of the few, you know, black people in that whole place. Uh, I was happy to be one of the best fundraisers as well. And I just happened to form a really good relationship with their, their ED at the time. Uh, Phil Radford, shout out, brother. Uh, and that man, he heard my rap, and he was like, yo, love it, man, love it. He's, he's a hip-hop head, too. So next thing I know, they put my rap on the year-end capstone video that they give to all their donors around the, the nation. He flew me on his own dime out to rap at the 2010 Democratic National Convention. I got to rap this, you know, this little corny Greenpeace rap I wrote right before Trump just spoke, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. And I had like old white ladies in the aisles, like going, hey, I'm rapping about the environment. You know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, this is dope. Uh, and I realized that for some of these, I, so, and I'm, you know, the environmental movement is white as hell, the Democratic Convention is white as hell, right? Yeah. So I'm seeing these 56 year old white women dancing in the aisles, loving what I'm saying about the environment. Not, you know, that was, that was cool as hell for me. You know what I'm saying? I also instantly, you know, realized how important it was to them because they had never seen nothing like that before. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think that's the first time I fell in love with that. And throughout my hip hop career, I, I would do these little sneak songs for different organizations. I remember I was at SF State and I got to do, uh, you know, I was studying international relations. I, I wrote a rap for an organization called Skaterstan that does skating in, uh, you know, Afghanistan and places like that where women can't really, you know, play you know, sports after they're 11 or 12. But since they've never really seen skating, they don't really have a, you know, they haven't really confined it into their patriarchal structures yet. So girls actually can skateboard without, you know, somebody coming out. So 
this guy went over there and started this organization and I love it. So I wrote a whole rap and shot a video for it. And, you know, I did that for another org called Planting Justice. So throughout, throughout my organizing, you know, I've seen the impact that hip hop you know, has yeah. on people. Uh, and, you know, anytime you can get on, I'm an MC, so I love moving crowds, you know, and if I see these white folks get moved and they're starting to understand my community, how could I not want that more? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I think because I'm an activist and I organize communities that know they need hip hop and have no idea how to get it, or, you know, communities that are trying to diversify as well, you know, they're trying to reach out to different communities, you know, you, you become that bridge for them, you know, you become yeah. that voice. I've had organizations, you know, I wrote a song for Kaiser for the Health and Equity Summit, they're better this out, and I turned the hashtag into a rap and performing on stage. Everybody knows they need hip hop. MSNBC is playing trap beats going to commercial now. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I remember so, yeah, was on I my favorite. That, yeah. Yeah. He still needs to holler at me on LinkedIn, uh, Ari. Let's push him. Holler <laughs> at him. Holler at him, Ari. No, I love what yeah. I heard you say, and this is that part that I hope our audience is listening to because this is what I wanted. I was hoping that you would be able to uh, uh, ex- explain is how hip hop is co- connected. You you have fifty year old women listening to. What you were saying, because there's there's many styles of the music and you've used it. You're using the music in a way that is impactful in this social justice. And it sounds like you're having an impact. So that is so damn cool. I mean, just let me speak to this, because those 50 year old women, they remember when Blondie came out with Rapture. They, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. They thought hip hop was cool back then and they wanted to do it back then, too. Yep. I think it's about giving people permission. You know, hip hop is about peace, love, unity and having fun. Uh, so, you know, when people view hip hop through the lens of corporate media and it's mostly gangster rap and they think you got to be a thug to do hip hop, of course they don't see a space for them to get in. They still want to do hip hop. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I think that a lot of times when people are confronted with me, they see the love that's in hip hop. Even whether it be through a gold grill and a dude wearing a hoodie that makes a lot of white people uncomfortable, they still, they get engaged, they see the space for themselves. They, they get permission to, to, to be a part of this human culture that is yeah. the most diverse culture that has ever been created. So yeah, absolutely. That's a good segue. (laughs) So I'm sure you've probably seen it. uh, Skip Bayless talking about what's happened with John Kyrie in the past and trying to blame it on rap. Yeah. What are your? (laughs) I don't know. My thoughts are on that. Same as it is about playing video to make you a killer. But um, what are your thoughts on that? You know, when you when you hear stuff like that, and I know it's different types of rap, but what are your thoughts? Well. So when you look at studies that have been done on video games, right? Actually, video games help people deal with thoughts of violence and things like that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't incentivize violence. That's video games, though. Um, I think that blackness has a different pull on American kids. You know what I'm saying? Blackness and and what people conflate blackness with, i.e. the thuggishness that they see blackness through corporate media, right? Because you got your mind, you with 70, 70% of white people don't have a single person of color for friends in America. That's self reported. And I didn't even say her black dude, you know what I'm saying? So, for a lot of people, especially in Iowa, right? They view they yes, yeah. and learn about blackness from three corporations, Times, Sony, University. Uh, and, you know, that's what they learn. That's what they think is black, you know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of people conflate hip hop with the black experience. They don't conflate that with Macklemore, Eminem raps, you know what I'm saying? Right. But they think Young Thug is perfectly, you know, perfect, you know, depiction of what black youth are, you know? And I think that's very, I think that has a very different pull than some kid playing God of War and Halo, you know what I'm saying? That's very different because, you know, black swag runs the nation. It always has, we invented it all. Um, and, and I think that, I, 
think I think that for a lot of kids who have not known that they come from a beautiful culture like Celtic cultures, right? They don't they don't know what a rune stone is. You know what I'm saying? They don't know the depths of that 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 love because whiteness is the loss of that culture. I think that a lot of them look up to black culture or the thought of what they think black culture is. So what do so, you say to a Skip Bayless who's blaming rap music yeah. for our, for the problem? Well, if you if well, Skip was sitting in front of you, what would you tell Skip? So first, I, 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 so before I speak on things, I like to do a little research yeah, myself. Okay. And, you know, look at a lot of black and brown people speaking on it. And I think this one, I forget the man's name. He said something really beautiful. He's like, okay, so you know, see a homie pull up a little gun, right? Not even hold, not even holding him. Hey, like, yeah, he's gun. like. Yeah, like a You know, well, first off, this man does not come from the block. You know what I'm saying? He comes right. from a really strong household. He's not hard, you know? Yeah. And I understand that. I understand the desire to want to be hard. A lot of times, men do that as a safety mechanism so they don't have to face violence from yes. men that they know are hard. Uh, so we can talk of, I can't even hear you, Joy, but but I want to hear you right yeah. now. Yeah, Joy. But can you guys hear me now? Yes. yes. I'm just so curious about it too, because like in this current state of time, there's like politicians posing with guns yes. that are still politicians. Yes. So like I'm in this base of like I'm not arguing ridiculous concepts, right? Really? Like right. if 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 you can have what's the lady Marjorie Taylor, whatever her name is, yes. posing with, then let's not strip a young kid who like yeah. let's. Let's just yeah. not do it. We, mm-hmm. we can't do anything with the gun. <laughs> exactly. So, so, it, it, it's not justified. So the thing is, is that I think it comes from the same place, right? Why? And this is what this, this man said that I, that I listened to. He said, why is that a flex, though? That's yeah. what we really need to get down to. Because regardless Boot. of that, homie, that is the larger thing here. Because I understand the flex when you have, you know, Lauren Boebert with the AR-15 that she's never really shot before, probably. I don't know. And why that makes her look hard to conservatives or to right wing alt right people who are shooting for a race war. So yeah. I don't know, what, you know, whatever. I understand why that is a flex for them, but I, I care about why this is a flex for this this this, this well off, you know, basketball player. Be like, that's a flex. How is that a flex? Right. So why is that a flex? I think that's a flex yeah. because you know I, I think that we have had our imagery of what is hard to hip hop two black communities uh, changed and taken over, you know? So now we got these people renting out mansions, you know what I'm saying, and renting cars, and that's hard. Uh, you know, they pay women to dance around them, and that's hard. Where I grew up, that was not hard, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. That was considered very different. You know, it's not a flex to sit there and talk about your man who did this and did that and self-snitch on yourself. Where I grew up, being gangster was a real thing, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. you know, like Lil Wayne said, the G is silent in lasagna, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Real G is moving silence. Uh, but, but regardless, I think now we have changed what is the flex to being like, I have a gun. Not even I can hold a gun, I'm tactful, I'm really good at shooting, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, I have a gun. Why is that a flex? Because well, that's that issue. Well, I think it's because 70% of hip-hop is bought by suburban white men between 18 and 24. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they, and their desires, that you know, their, their, their rules, their, their cultural values dictate what is a flex now in hip-hop. And I think that that ball player right there now, because he grew up in the age he grew up, he's very susceptible to thinking that that's a flex. Probably doesn't even know that the only reason that is a flex is because the people that decide the cultural norms and rap music now are suburban white males. Yeah. That's why we don't see women, you know, rapping about their lives mattering. We just see them talking about their booty cheeks, which is okay. Um, but that's also why something like WAP was such a big cultural moment 
because you know when the tastes are just white males, you don't have things that show women's empowerment or ownership over their bodies. It doesn't really break out very often. And so where where something like why becomes so powerful because it's so rare, you know what I'm saying? Something like, oh, just having a gun becomes this this tropish, ubiquitous kind of flex because these people who are controlling it don't know the cultural norms of the hood. It's, that's sad to me. Yeah, that's cultural yeah. norms. And it's it, that's that root issue that you're talking about, Coffee. And this is something we speak about all the time in our space. We, yeah. It's it's easy to say that that holding a gun in front of people's posing with a gun is, is not cool. Like, like it, for many of us, it's probably easiest for us to say that, but for us that feel that way, are we asking the next question? Why is he doing that? Yeah. Why? Well, I think, it, I, I think it's almost like, it's not about posing with a gun. It's not cool. It's like showing your gun off is not, it's stupid. You know what I'm right. saying? The hood, the hood has rules and regulations yeah. and rules and levels and layers. And the first thing that your homie on the block will tell you, don't stitch on yourself. First your thing your big homie, don't pull your gun like, out unless you're ready to use it. Gun out unless you're unless ready, you're ready to, to use it. it. Yeah, you know and I know that. Yeah. For me, I see homie in the, like going like this, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Don't pull your gun unless you're ready. You know, to use it. I, I think I hope he doesn't shoot himself. I know. <laughs> you see, and so so for me, for people in the in the real block where we come from, we're like, yo, you are tripping. We know you from the suburbs. We know you soft. We know this ain't your life, you know yep. what I'm saying? You know you don't have big homies telling you. But he's still famous, he still gets on, he still gets people like Skip Bayless saying whatever and blaming on rap. Instead of blaming on these white kids who have no cultural norms and yeah. they have most of the money in the nation, so these big three corporations only caring about green will only cater to these people because they don't know what's real and what isn't real. Right. When black folks have all these rules and regulations, uh, and that's a lot harder to, you know, move billions of units off of. So I think instead of blaming rap, we should blame suburban white males' taste and their beliefs and their projections about young black, you know, culture. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's how, how that do we was, get to that's, that's the root issues. How do we get to the real issue behind? How it? do we how do we break that though? Because I I, I super agree with you. Because yeah. even like as a as a black woman, right, and yeah. who is raising black women. Yeah, it it can be concerning about what they digest out in in the world. Now, I'm not gonna lie, I I, I will <laughs> pop in a City Girls. I will no, <laughs> I will no, pop no, in no, a Cardi no. B. But I'm mature enough to like know the difference. I'm mature no. enough yeah. that this is a song when me and my girls are getting ready to go somewhere mm. and we're having fun, or if my fiance is mm. riding with me and I want to make him mad because he's like, why is she playing all these girl mm. anthems? That's what that's for, right? But young people, like my 13-year-old, she can't always distinguish between what she's being fed from the media mm -hmm. and, and what is our actual reality. And the actual reality is that, like, no, you shouldn't be trying to take men for their money. You shouldn't put drugs <laughs> in your drinks. And you should yeah. you go to jail for that. You know what yeah. I mean? And so how do we start to create a culture that more teaches like that's entertainment yeah. and the reality look, look. is not that so well, look look i'm gonna say like this you know i think it's always context you know what i'm saying in a patriarchal world of course yes listening to something that says i'm gonna take my power back and have some ownership over men who've been owning me that's a revolutionary act you know especially according to somebody like audrey lord you know what i'm saying just yeah. telling your story and, and that's because of society that you love see the girls because man we need these narratives right now because we have nothing you yes. know what I'm saying? And, and mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I feel uncomfortable as a man because these girls are talking about something that we've been doing to them for so long. I think a lot of oppressed and marginalized communities 
they react like that. That's why queer people say queer, you know, black people say the N-word, you know what I'm saying? It's be taken, reclaiming my time. Yeah. Um, but I don't put that in a bad context. I think that because of the environment that's out there made by the dollars of white men, City Girls is extra cracking. But how do we change this so there's more narratives? Because back in the day, we had Queen Latifah, yes. Holy Love, but we also had Salt and Pepper, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, we had we had a diversity. You get it where you fit in. I think, I think for me, being from where I'm from, when I see somebody like, you know, these artists that are lying on you know, the microphone, these white kids that are soaking it up, I've been educated to know that's not reality. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that's like a video game. It's benign as a video game. It is to violence and perpetuation. But these white kids don't know that. So now you got white kids shooting up, bang, bang, fighting and going crazy because they're, they're more susceptible to these things. You got kids that might not grow up in the hood who might think that this is the flex now. You know what I'm saying? I think it's about education. And Joy, I'm assuming, just because of the, how you're rolling, your daughter's going to have an easier time having an example and education about what happens when you do something like rob a dude by putting a drink, you know what I'm saying? You might, she, your daughter might not even understand the pressures that, you know, society's put on black women to where they get in situations like human trafficking, where they might get in a position where they might exactly. really, you know what I'm saying? So I, I think that kids are so smart that when we give them the tools and, and the understanding and the real, real, they will make a pimp decision like Cat Williams said, and they will know what they should or should not do. And they'll mm-hmm. know where they want to be and where they don't want to be. I think I had I think when you you playing with something like hip hop, which is kind of like a loaded gun in in the amount of power it has and sway it has over our young kids' minds, and we don't teach them what hip hop really is. You know what I'm saying? They're just listening in the future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they don't know what hip hop is. It's like as a culture, a loaded gun. Yeah, you playing so, with a whole loaded gun. You know, and I often tell people, I say, if you're gonna dip your toes into my culture. You know, if I was listening to heavy metal, I wouldn't listen to neo-Nazi heavy metal first. You know what I'm saying? There's so many other <laughs> things to listen oh, to. Right. So if you don't step your toes. or, you know, yeah, something more like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anything, right? That, but if you don't dip your toes. Yeah, yeah. You know, what, there's so many, you know, we can go from emo to rage, grunge, you know, punk, all these things. But why are you going to dip your toes in the black death and, and the objectification of black women with your first venture into my culture? And then why are we allowing these people to sell it? So if you want to stop it, these kids aren't going to stop doing hip hop. What alternative do they have? And what alternative are we providing for them? Because yeah. we couldn't stop our parents from doing a twist. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't going to stop these kids from having swag. And there's yeah. nothing more swaggish than hip hop. And I doubt there ever will be. So, yeah. Right. And so how do you leverage it? I, I love that. Yeah, I, I love so, that approach. And it's, it's great like, segue. Huh? Great segue yeah, so, into how he leverages it. Yeah. yeah. So I knew Joy was going to part of my question. So, so let me give you an example. So my wife is a special ed teacher, and she's taught in Newport News, and she had kids that were honest. They were gangbangers. They were they were real honest. I mean, that's what they were. That's how they were raised. That's what they grew up to be. So now we're here. We are in Iowa. And same thing. She's got a kid that gets in trouble with the law every once in a while, and she's on a video with a gun. And how do we get young kids under to understand? especially young black kids who are already under the system, right? They're already, everything's against them already. It seems like, and and systemically we believe that. So how do you get them to not fall in love with that? The the, the thug type rap that it does, it does kind of say, Hey, this is, and how do we get those rappers to come out and say, this isn't real. This is how I maybe lived. This isn't real, how it should be for you and for all kids. Cause I mean, you can see the, the envisioning, the fantasy of it, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when kids are living the black life, 
we your ancestors too if you rap is stupid it's not right you know what i'm saying um and i think that's really what it is and i think that's I, I wish a lot of people used the real meaning of the word woke, you know, as it was coined in the 90s, to knowing your history, knowing, right. you know, what your people have been through and it took to get here. So you can be awake to where you are, what you need to do to facilitate that legacy and keep moving safely in this white supremacist world. I think that, you know, I used to bang too, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what woke me up is I had an alternative. You know, you talk about these kids in Chicago who are shooting up and they're even rapping about killing black people and whatnot. And and it's taken me, my activism, to really learn not to demonize these kids. Because yes. you, know, you have a company that comes in and says, here's a $100,000 signing bonus if you sell your life to me. You know what I'm saying? And we're over here knocking this kid like he's stupid when we realize he has the worst deal ever. But if we don't have an alternative $100,000 deal to get his mom off the project and out of this death, like, Get off my man's back. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Correlation Real to crime yeah. is poverty. Real and that's what people never want to talk. It's yeah. not race. It's, it's not, not race. Not, it's opportunity. Yeah. It's correlation. Yeah. Even and it's from some of the... And it's right. intentional. And, right. and look, and when you're in a place like Chicago, when you're spending a million dollars a block on the South Side to police these kids, you're like, what are you wasting your money on? These kids spend a million dollars a block each year to police black bodies and brutalize them. Instead of having recreation centers and having free careers, these kids are geniuses, you know what I'm saying? Um, and the same thing that happened to me, I got pissed off and I didn't have an outlet. So what we talk about is what is the alternative yes. for these young kids? They're not going to stop rapping. They're not going to stop being angry. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, the kids hurt. aren't going to stop watching horror flicks. They're not going to stop watching uh, Jason and, and uh, Scream. They're not going to stop listening to hardcore hip hop. We just what's the alternative? That doesn't I mean, mean that they can't they, listen to that. What is the alternative? Well, how about how about yeah. we find what's making them angry and get rid of that? Yeah. I mean, yeah, or or let or you know what I think is even better. Give find out what's making them angry, and then give them all the money and the means to fight against it themselves. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, children are the future, right? You know, and they have all the activism. But I think that these kids are working with like peanuts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When it comes to being able to engage in their own communities, uh, I think that's why hip hop is really beautiful. If you, I mean, it's the 50th anniversary, and we think about you know something like breakdancing that was invented by 12 year olds. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we our kids are geniuses. These kids have all the the strength, and, and they have all the 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 humanity still intact inside their little chest. This genre that we're in right now, we're invented by 17-year-old kids, man. Exactly. Uh, People often forget how even the greats that are activists, when you think about Martin, Martin, Malcolm, how young they were when they were killed. They were young. I I went to see um, Dick Gregory's daughter recently, Mm -hmm. maybe like a month ago. And she was talking about her experience as a as a child marching and protesting and they and so sometimes I think you know people are like oh these kids need to just settle down but they forget how much <laughs> movement has come on the hills of kids like again we're here Black Lives Matter came out of a group of young people and this whole synergy from 2020 was built based off protests and things that they were doing in the streets so I was in the back like. Hey, how can I support you? You need some water? What do we eat? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I realize I got yes. My body can't go march and walk anymore. I mean, it, exactly. it's a young kid's thing. I mean, it's, it's a young it person's is. game. It's, but well, that's okay. Well, let's, 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 
let's say this. It's everybody's game, right? Well, yeah, that's true. But, that's true. but you know what I'm saying? Because maybe grandma can't come out with an AK-47 and shut down a freeway in Oakland. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But, but you know, that's like, where's the church at laying hands on people? You know yes. what I'm saying? Making sure they're prayed up. Or who's feeding them and giving sandwiches to these people who are yep. about to get tear gas? You know what I'm saying? That's what we had. You know, with the you know uh, with the, the whole protest back in the days, yeah. you know, we talk about the Selma and whatnot. We had organized instructions in black communities, but people were getting in where they fit in. This is what and my uncle always yeah, tells me. We talk about it all the time. My, my uncle, my uncle's been an uh, NAACP leader here for like forty plus years, and he's been an activist since he was a teenager. And I talked yeah. to him a lot about what it was like in the '60s as, when he was 17, 18, 20s, and yeah. what it's like today. And he tells me a lot because there was this period of my life where. You know, and Nick and I talked about this where I felt guilty that I wasn't contributing to my community the way I was supposed to. Oh, and I spent, oh, yeah. I, you know, quite honestly, yeah. I screwed off a lot of my 20s not doing what I, what Anthony should have been doing. And, and there were these periods in my life where I regret, right? These are periods of regret. And my uncle always tells me to meet people where they're at, and everybody has a role. From lawyers to yeah. gangsters on the street, we all play a role in this game. Everybody yeah. has and a so role. And so I love hearing yeah. I want to. I want to switch gears a little, not really switch gears, but I want to be a little selfish because something that, so I'm being coached. I'm a, we're all being coached and we're yeah. all trying to learn and be better people. And you're such a provocative personality. And we've talked about how you're able to get into some of these prestigious spaces with your approach and you're so provocative online and I love it. Um, yeah. But having said that, one of the discussions that was had with me the other day and I'm taking it, I'm, I'm struggling with it, but I understand it is that to be more impactful, I, I could limit my activism approach in terms of <laughs> what I post on, on LinkedIn um, because there are some entities that perhaps may be interested in what I have to say, what we have to say, but because of the provocative nature, it could turn some people off in layman's terms. No, I'll just use no, that. So no, no, let me, let me from your view, what, how do you feel about that? And, and talk to me about that. Time out. You know, that, that person uh, you know, has to work under the premise that working and being a mediocre activist and not speaking your true heart has longevity in the game, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to actually have an impact, you need to have a longevity and build up something. So if you're trying to speak out and change things and be authentic, that's not going to happen by placating white sentiments and being a soft Negro, uh, stepping softly around these white folks. That's not going to galvanize you not going to give you a strong back and that probably won't equal up to you being hell inspired like I am you know every day when I walk up to the plate you know what I'm saying to hit a home run for my people I I am stuck in my activism because I'm so inspired by what's possible through it you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying and I don't think that I think that the, the whole premise of like you know softening and stepping quietly around these white folks is, is the antithesis of what creates longevity inside of a black activist you know what I'm saying Maya Angelou didn't do that all her life because she was stepping softly. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. uh, you know, and you know, that's just what drives us. So that's what I first reject with this whole placating white sentiment to get on, uh, because it's rooted in in not knowing how, how, not knowing what we need as black people to be passionate and stick in the game long. I think secondly, you know. That's a horrible sales tactic. Like, I'm really good at sales, you know what I'm saying? And you don't sell people by being like, you know, it, my, my knife cuts pretty well, you know? It, it, you know, it can make a pretty nice dice. You know, you say, it slices it, dices it, motherfucker, to the end, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> um, you, you know, you gotta be about that light. Um, and, and when you soften something, you're hoping that more people will hear you. 
and that you'll have a higher amount of people with your low percentage success rate that will you know offset and you'll be able to sell more units of something that's the same thing as like saying oh maybe if i make mine cheaper more people will buy it you know what i'm saying maybe if i cut down how much i make you know my own net then more people will buy it uh, so, instead of the opposite if i charge twice as much as it should ever be worth like more people will buy it right and they'll be more into it so i, I think that especially Especially when you're when you're doing racial justice work, and I think this is why I've always been able to get into these unique spaces. It's not just because I'm a, a you know black activist. It's because there's good white people. There are really good white people that exist that have doors that they can open for you if they choose to. And because of how I step into some rules of my unapologeticness, I think I've inspired more white folks who identified with me or who knew I was necessary than I ever would have inspired softening my you know. My, my statements and my blackness, hoping that I stick out in this large pool being the only drop that looks like everybody else. So shout out to the people who have opened doors, but they open the most doors because that was something that they have not seen often. Mm-hmm. Hyper unapologetic black man that still got love, you know what I'm saying? But also don't give a F bomb, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I would tell people real, and I think that that inspires more people to rock with you than ever softening anything. And it also inspires you to wake up every morning and keep going. Yeah. See, that's, that's why that. we, we made a decision early on when we knew this would come up. And I was like, you know what? If they don't hire us because you're an activist, maybe we don't want them as a client. Maybe we're not oh, for them. Yeah. That would work. Is it a that, small that, business losing that money sometimes? Yeah, but at so least we can sleep at night. You know? Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's really important. Uh, yeah. That's just important for keeping any person in the game going or else. It's it's a it's work. It's, it's very heavy, burdensome work, you know. Yeah. So how do we, yeah. you know, so one of the guests we had on Future came and talks a lot about self care. How how do you? I mean, I'm sure you use yeah Future. I'm sure, future. You, I'm sure you use music, obviously. But you know, what what would be what would you tell people in the space that we're in? It's like I mean, there, there's times I'm almost ready to start a LinkedIn group called WTAF. That actually, I was joking with my friend I should do it monthly. He's like, yeah, you probably gotta do yeah. it weekly or more often. Because this uh, stuff we just keep seeing, but how how would you recommend someone out there that does this work to to keep that level set sanity uh, and not not that we want anger in check, but keep it in a safe check? I mean, where it's not yeah. overwhelming. I think for me, it's like um, I've had more time recently to say like go work out to the gym, play with my daughter. You know what I'm saying? I think we always need to be able to balance those times. And so recently, I I've actually included on my my work schedule right. It says lunch now. Right? <laughs> it says, I love it. I love it. You take it. You take it. Right? it. YMCA. Bow. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, and, and so I've, I've reprioritized that, especially since moving to a new organization and having to, to look at my schedule again. But but I also think that that's not really the real world for a lot of people, especially people who are you know don't have the means and whatnot. You know, being a, a, mm-hmm. a poor black activist initially. You know, people would be like, you work too hard, you'll burn out. And I'm like, I was burnt out when I found out I was black when I was like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people are like, you should take a sabbatical. I'm like, what is a sabbatical? I'm trying to like make it in life. Um, so I, I, I don't know that the amount of work is really what 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 hurts the most. I think what, what is the coolest and what is the best self-care for people who have to work their butts off because it's the only chance they've ever had, the only shot they've ever had, and they don't have the luxury are the privilege to to hit the brakes or coast. You know what I'm saying? I think when you root yourself and your work in 
in your life's cause, like your mission, something that fulfills like your love for your own activism and what you want to create in the world, then the work is not only not as burdensome, it's something that you're really inspired and in. it just becomes something so cool. It's so hard. Yeah. It's yeah. hard. Like I often have to like literally say like, okay, I'm gonna go to the movies or <laughs> yep. like I'm gonna take my daughter bowling because you you feel such a high level of responsibility you feel this high like you know you're standing on the shoulders of your ancestors and they're giving you opportunities that they that they probably didn't have and then on top of it let's be real like we haven't even always been in this point where people have been like excited about supporting this work so so the the goal is to like okay we need all the support we need all the support right now because at some point and we're in iowa too so right now that window is going yeah. 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 Uh, you know what you need for me? You know, I love that my LinkedIn profile says I'm the best father and Nick, you know, we'll figure out some content. All right. My kids will probably agree with you, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my kid will probably be hanging out with you. Yeah. But um, I'll say this, you know, I think one of the things that is really important for me, and I've never had the luxury of not representing my entire people. It's kind of a burden when you know exactly what's going on against your people. You're like, I have to do the best for blackness and I have to organize the most, you know, but uh, part of part of my goal and my mission in life as a black father, you know, is to keep up with the, you know, the, the black fathers that have been so integral in, you know, our survival and the history yeah. of our, our, you know, black people being here. Black fathers are kicking ass, you know what I'm saying? They're doing very well. And, yeah. Um, Reminds me of your shirt, Anthony. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's also activism for me. You know what I'm saying? I, when I think about Mega Evers, you know what I'm saying? Mega Evers definitely put his that. life on the line, but he was a great dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Powerful, and he worked for his kids. So part of your black activism is continuing life because you're only yeah. here for so long, and you got daughters. I got a daughter, and she is a little jaguar warrior princess, and she just started yelling at black power and saying, <laughs> "I'm a Mexica Afro warrior." You know, it's just beautiful. I have to make sure that her steer is sharpened. Uh, and pointed towards truth. Um, so that is also a part of your activism. And you can't yeah. help people without helping yourself. So, yeah. Um, and also awesome. making sure people respect that in, in your schedule yeah. as well. Boundaries. Good. Coffrey, so, uh, one last question, and I think we got to get to our, we get to our listener question. I know we probably got a good one. Oh, well. What, um, I don't want to phrase this. You, you obviously, with your approach, you, you've had, situations where you've been ostracized, rejected, called every name in the book online or otherwise. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you deal with that personally? How do you manage to do that personally? Other than, yeah. rap, other than rapping. <laughs> right. I go to the studio. Yo. No, I, that's what I, I go to the studio. But. Yo, um, you know, I, I think that, I think that especially coming from where I come from, I've had to really confront my anger and how I deal with it for a long time. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got teeth marks in every finger I got. Um, so I, I got the I got that luxury of at least knowing that I have to deal with my anger and how people affect me. You know what I'm saying, and how much I let people affect me. But I think activism is a, it's about having a voice. You know what I'm saying. Throughout all the killings and losing Roe versus Wade, and you know what I'm saying, and the war on war, like people people say, man, you you so hopeful. I'm like, you think I'm hopeful? <laughs> you think you think I'm hopeful? We're losing hegemony. I don't know if we'll be here 50 years from now as a nation, you know. Or if we deserve to be, um, and that's not what keeps me going. You know what I'm saying? I think for the most part, um, 
it, it's just it's just what's right, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That, that we have to do it's not because of the outcome. Um, but I, I think that for me, when I, when you have a, a a means of speaking to your 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 anger, right? Speaking to what's going on wrong in the world, having an outlet that just having somewhere to point that anger. That's 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 what you need. Yeah. Anger is valid. It's important. We have every right to be livid. Um, but but just keeping that inside is just building up while you're working for your job, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. never getting a chance to use that anger to do anything about it, to talk on it, to speak on it. That's really detrimental to people with love and humanity and empathy right. for the pain that our earth is going through. Yeah, so, even people that, uh, are, that me, disagree with you, like even people that aren't on your level, yeah. it, the, the, the fact that they have to bottle that stuff up. Uh, create challenges for us all. That's why we love to facilitate and do what we do because wow. we, we want people to release. Sometimes I wish a few of them would bottle yeah, a yeah. little bit, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I mean, I also like my racism yeah. out in the open too, you know what yes. I'm saying? But, but I'll say this, what I've learned to do is when somebody sends me, a, you know, calls me a monkey and an N-word and my, my DMs, I screenshot that and show the world, you know what yep. I'm saying? And then, and then, I, cool white folks will give me money sometimes because that happened to me, you know. Or give me a free LinkedIn profile for the year or whatnot, you know. I think, I think that we're not gonna make it unless we come together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Against the powers that be and this fake race war that they think is gonna happen as soon as that all white folks is gonna be on white people's side versus all the the, the minorities, like <laughs> really. Um, and that's not the way it is. So. I think that it's really yeah. cool when I get to go to these white spaces and, and feel needed and they know they need me. You know, I know they need, you know, me as well and we need each other and I love sometimes that. they got the money. And so when we show white people what we go through, when we show them our culture, when we when we show them that, hey, there's a chance for you to show up and this is the way to do it and they respond to that, it feels exactly. good. Love it that. It just feels good. Yeah. Love and that. we need more of that. Yeah, we and do. We I do. don't do this because... If you're listening I don't, I don't out there, yes, yeah. to our listeners. That actually, that was actually one of our listeners' questions that they were saying they're trying to figure out how to get other supporters to understand how hip hop influences culture and how to build resources and coalition behind mm-hmm. this work. So, Kafri, if yeah. I'm the next Kafri out there, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Kafri 2.0. What are we like? Yeah. 2023. Yeah. What yeah. advice would you give to our young listener that's saying? Hey, I know the change that hip hop can make. I know mm. I want to be that change, but how can I mobilize? How can I be resourced well? Because it's, yeah. it's a challenge to do stuff when you don't have yeah. resources. What what advice would you give? Well, just know that we're not outnumbered. We're just out organized, like Malcolm X said, right? So it's not about it's not about knowing that. about the power of hip hop. Mm. It's about how much power can you organize, and how much of that organizing can you replicate in perpetuity, right? And it's like, we can be mad or we can be Marcus Garvey. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and really, that's what it's about. So luckily, I, I cut my teeth. Right. Being a you writing that down, Joy? <laughs> I'm writing that down. We can be mad or we, we can, can be, be Marcus, Marcus Garvey. Marcus Garvey, write that down, please. And he was still mad, too. Right? Yeah, we can you be mad and Marcus. Yeah, but, but that's the thing. It's like, how much of that power can you organize? Because, you know, nonprofits are a business. It is a white supremacist business structure that's allowed in the state, you know, in the United States to exist. But it's an organizing structure. And a lot of people don't really know that they can do these things. They don't really know. They don't have the language for it. But they all have the swag and the game that they've learned and done every single year of their life to make it in the hood. So if they knew that they could do this type of organizing, they knew that they could organize just like their churches, right? They knew that they could organize just like the protests they see on TV. Um, and that's why they knew how to file an LLC and maybe 501c3 status, you know what I'm saying? 
they'd be surprised at the dopamine kick they'd get from getting their incorporation papers in the mail and be like, oh, I got a business, hey. Uh, because organizing is just a set of dopamine kicks because you're hitting your goals, you're just going, it's one step at a time. You know what I'm saying? It's not getting spooked by your dreams because your dreams should be so big, they're spooky. But can you go take the steps and learn and Google how to organize your people? And whatever way you learn to organize it, it's slim pickers out there. If you build it, they're going to come because people are hungry out there. You know what I'm saying? So when I started my hip hop organizing, I quickly realized all these people are hungry for it too. And no one has any, like, any way to fulfill that. If you have demand and you build, you build a supply to supply that demand, you know, it's simple capitalism. The only thing that we're doing is we're selling compassion for the hood and compassion for hip hop, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of people need that right now. They need spaces for rap. They need to see graffiti. They need to see some break dancing. They want it. They need trap beats going to commercial and MSNBC. I need trap beats. You know? I'm a secret trap fan. (laughs) Same here. And right now, we got three corporations that'll give it to you, and they're multi-billion dollar corporations. Or we can start investing in our real people. But you can't talk about hip hop culture if you're not investing in the local people in your community who have the same narratives who are struggling to make it. You don't just get to talk about my culture unless you're actively trying to make it better and invest in people who are rapping in your same community uh, about the things that your young kids and young boys and girls need to hear. That's just it. So for young folks who want to start something, just figure out how to organize it. Whichever way you figure out how to organize it, you will organize power. And that power will have an impact. Love hearing that, you know. We, so, so I'm gonna ask for a little grace, my partner. I just popped this idea in my head, right? So, <laughs> Joe is useless. I do this all the time. Just ideas pop up. So, I remember when I was a kid watching like Andy Rooney at the end of 60 Minutes. I didn't know what else was on the uh-huh. whole rest of the hour, but that last yeah. like public service uh-huh. announcement time, right? Another thing that bothered me. I just gotta get off my chest this week, and you can share on this too. If if you look like me and you're thinking about writing a book about being woke, a don't. And B, at least know how to how to define it. Here's my public service announcement today. So, well, um, <laughs> can I can I give you a slight reframe? Yes, that please too? do. So, if you look like you and you're woke, you probably have more privilege in getting your book published. But you can also use that privilege to say, "Hey, I'm gonna write a book, and I'm gonna interview a bunch of dope black people that need to be heard about, right? And then I'm gonna interview them on what is woke because I need this to get out there. Yeah, um, you know, that's tag that's like some quick stuff. That's like, you know, that's leverage. Yeah, like right there with the, yeah, if you look like me and you're yeah. writing a book on DEI and it's your best seller, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. Well, what, yo, can I say like 77 percent of DEI professionals are white? And oh. we it also just say, came out. Yeah. 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 We also say that this is, uh, you know, white people got to fix the issue, don't we? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So if white people really have to fix the issue of racism in America, in the workplace as well, then maybe shouldn't most of the DEI professionals be white people trying to fix their shit? I think you've got a conversation there. I think you've got a conversation there. <laughs> that is there. an interesting I think you've got a conversation yeah. there. That's, that's interesting. You know? I think you've got so, a conversation to be had. That's the conversation. You know? Now, I'm not saying I know the right answer, right. Uh, because I do want black people to get paid. You know what I'm saying? I yes. know black people have the, the, the impact and whatnot, but how can we create a system to where it's really going to reflect what we need to have. So I don't know. That's just something to throw out there. I don't don't disagree completely. I just say, but it can't be at the expense of the black people and the Latino. Well, and and it has to be, how do we center uh, minoritized populations voices in that solution? Like like it has to be, and for pay, because the whole thing of like, I take your talent and your skill and you donate that and then I pay somebody. Because we don't, we're, no, we're not no, doing no. that in 2023. So, no, yeah. and, 
And mind you, I have not broken that that concept down yet myself fully. So <laughs> let me know. I know. Y'all think on that. Me either. I am just getting to that point of <laughs> I, I have given away so much yeah. free work, free skills, free, free lived advice, experience, free training. I have just, and, and even still, there are things that I'm passionate about that I will, but but I'll yeah. tell you what, I was in a, a, I've done events, I used to be do them in the military, still do events, program management, it's, that's been my livelihood, right? So not even just as a hustle, it's like, no, the military, when I, I work for International Academy in English and Spanish, that's my thing, right? So like, I was in a meeting once and this group of people were talking about potentially bringing on an, an organizer mm-hmm. young young kids they were talking about which is fine i'm all about getting your your opportunities but i had volunteered for this group and another friend of mine who was also a very skilled event planner for yeah. years prior and as soon as he, he was a young white male and as soon as they entered his name they were like well he he won't do it for free and between me and my friend you had probably 50 years of event planning experience and i hate to age myself but you did and literally so at that point i'm like oh no no more that's yeah. not happening not yeah. doing it anymore did you just say yeah. the college student would yeah. not do it for free but like i got me, kids i got kids but, but me who's had to do languages and yeah. do event programming in dual yeah. languages you will strip my time talent and treasure for years and not offer me anything yeah okay not shame on you shame on me shame on me <laughs> Yes. Real talk. Real boundaries. Talk. Boundaries. Yeah. boundaries. Boundaries. Real boundaries. talk. Expectations. Real right? talk. Yeah, I, it was. You know, but, you know, this is. I think, uh, I, go ahead. I think I experienced the same thing. You know what I'm saying? I've I've, I've had those lessons, especially you know dealing with the philanthropic space. You know, what I'm saying where I've undervalued myself, and then realized that everybody else asked for the full amount of the grant, and I was the only one to try to keep it like you know maybe if we don't say the whole. Yeah, you know, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I've been in meetings where I was just like looking at my coworkers like. Like, like, damn, left that you know? money on the table. Um, yeah, and I've had to go. I've had to get to the point where I was able to literally sit in a room and be like, "I need fifty thousand dollars." And inside, I'm like, "Holy crap!" I just said, right? But outside, I'm like, "Yeah, I need 50, I, I still shake every time. I do. I still you know? shake when I ask for money. But I'll. But for a nonprofit, I'll say hundred thousand. Yeah, but I think, I think because yeah, because but 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 I I think number one, we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? But I think that through all the work that I've seen, especially people in the DEI space talking about, you know, imposter syndrome and speaking up for it, and you know, you gotta ask high so all the other brown people around you, you know, can get you know, see the well. It's like I almost get addicted to that uncomfortableness to be like, how much can I feel uncomfortable by asking him for an exorbitant <laughs> amount of money? Yeah. So like I'm like hundred thousand dollars. I was, you know, that so. Yeah, you know, you if they don't blink, you say two hundred thousand. You know, I, Yo. I spent uh, a little over a decade in higher education fundraiser, and uh, the one thing that I, I knew at some point I had to get out of that space was uh, I wasn't about going golfing and asking millionaires for money. It just wasn't my thing. But yeah. but here's the difference, right? I was just raising money for my my college and my institution, which I care about. I got a great degree there, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't my passion. <laughs> It was just yeah. work. It was work. Yeah, I'll go ask for money for this type of work. That this is don't even I think no second nature at all. That's a great point because you know right. it became really easy when I'm like I'm always thinking of some really beautiful 
big eyed black child who's like, I need you to ask for more money from my community in my head. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So ah. it's, it's easy to work for that. That does so, make it easier. Yeah, I don't I don't mind. That's really easy when I'm working for my hood. You know, when I do my grassroots work and I'm fundraising in the streets, and you know, I'd be like, yo, donate a hundred dollars. We do hundred, two hundred people laughing me like what? That's a lot of money. I said, I don't lowball it for black babies in the hood. I'll gladly make you destitute to save black people in my community. Like, no joke. I will, I will put you in the street to save my community right now if you if you so gave me the opportunity. Um, and I think that we have to believe in our activism so much. Like, you know, we're willing to work ourselves to the bone, but we're not willing to ask this person with efficacy and yeah. financial, you know, you know, you know, money, you know, for everything. If I'm over here trying to stop the world from dying, and I'm like, the sky is falling, but I just asked you for a dollar. You know, that don't really match up. I'm like, yo, the world is ending. I need you to break your pockets right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I need you to pay what you owe. But I think if if your if your movement's worth it, you should have no problem. Yeah. Centering that instead of your own discomfort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we're great answer the, out there coming for the to listener. the end here. Yep. I hope y'all <laughs> heard that. I hope our listeners are listening and. And I hope corporate America, who's out there listening, can can yeah. can see through. So important as we think about the 50th anniversary of hip hop, can see through the music and the man and the culture, and, and, and dig into the culture, and not what you just continue to see on uh, just like Rukas, dig into the why, right? It, what's the why? So, Kafir, before we go, it, we we always like to let our guests have the last word. Is there anything? that you want our audience to know that would be impactful for them as we move down this DEI and B space and we continue to try to break barriers uh, for minoritized people uh, in this country. Anything in your world you want our people to know before we let you off? Yeah, I do. Or any any new big events coming up. I'm passing the mic. I'm passing the mic. Any shameless plugs as well. (laughs) Well, besides going to hiphopforthepeople.org, the new nonprofit I'm building to give, uh, to take back a space for, you know, local hip-hop culture to thrive and evolve. Besides that, I would say that, you know, during this great <laughs> white awakening, <laughs> sorry, that's just, the white awakening line is funny to me. Yeah. I think yeah. that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of white folks are starting to see what's going on in our communities. But if we look at, you know, all the donations and the money that was moved, it was moved to places like Black Lives Matter, NAACP, ACLU, while a lot of our arts orgs were going belly up left and right, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, 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 you know, white women, we couldn't even say Roe versus Wade. So I don't know what like trans people are going to do or what black people are going to do as far as criminal yeah. justice reform or whatever. But what we can bank on is mental health. Uh, and mental health is something that I can, you know, put my money in. I think a lot of people, while they were trying to change criminal justice, uh, you know, for the better, for the most part, I think that we really need to center mental health for black people. Um, yes. And that looks like a number of different things, but I think for young kids, that's hip hop. Uh, that's for them having spaces where they belong and kids are always told that they are not who they should be and they're not acting like they should act. Uh, that's why hip hop is, is what they're screaming for, you know what I'm saying? So what we need to do is start investing in some of these mental health spaces for youth to create. Uh, expressive arts therapy is the go-to according to the American Psychological Association. But you know, our kids aren't doing Monet, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're doing like, Fab Five, and you know they're doing like you know Moni Love. They need to hear the the swag of our culture. So yeah. please donate to hip hop organizations. Please support kids having spaces to record, perform. Donate to mental health for youth. That looks like art, and if they can be culturally rooted in that art, that's even better. 
Um, and I'll take all your money to help me starting this nonprofit, Hip Hop for the People Off. Yes. It's really new. <laughs> and uh, Black-led arts orgs have about 50% less money on hand, 72% less savings. So support Black arts. Absolutely. To our listeners, support Black arts. That, that, we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Well, we, we're wrapping up here. Joy, you want to take us out? We really enjoy your time, Kafri, and, and uh, we're looking forward to, to continue to be in touch with you and follow you in your endeavors for sure. And you and I are going to have some good conversation offline as well. On that, Thank you that so much. There. Thank you. I, I can't oh, wait to even check out some of your artists. I actually um do host the annual event where i bring artists some local some together and we do fashion art music and technology mm. right so it's a it's really a creative experience for young people i used to do a fashion show i got young people that loved it and so i was like okay i gotta give you education because i got too much of your your um, attention so we'll definitely let them check out some of your artists and maybe even do some collabs on, yeah. on that with anthony here too and again my fiance is an artist he's Shout out to you, Mook, honey. Love you. What up, man? Yeah. So it's Anthony, even though he didn't really say it. And so it's Anthony's a producer, too. Uh. Off of that. So we, I mean, there is such a synergy between <laughs> activism and artistry, right? That sometimes we don't explore enough, or you can't really even communicate what it is, but there's just such a synergy between that. And so along that line, we want to thank you so much, Kafri, for joining us today. Um, it's just been an amazing conversation as we knew it would be uh, for our audience remember we drop episodes twice per month on all your favorite audio platforms and on youtube so just search breaking barriers d-i-m-b podcast and we will be there so just thank you so much again and remember we're, we're maurice you got to add us the today because we, we definitely had some 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 tick, definite tick, tick, uh tick for my uh yeah. exactly exactly i'll get the bushy eyebrows yeah. all right and partners anything else to add yeah no, just uh, you know, big shout out uh, to our five-star presenting sponsor, Kirkwood Community College. We appreciate your partnership on the podcast. Also, big thanks to our silver diversity sponsor, PG Cares, and our friends of Breaking Barriers, supporters, Community Savings Bank, Tyler Link, and Barnes DDS. We love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, suggestions to info at toprankedtalentsolutions.com. All three of us will get that email. And again, thank you so much, Coffrey, for joining us. Um, you know, it, it's been inc- an incredible yeah. uh, about an hour or so. And uh, like I said, like Anthony said earlier, we could always, we always want to do a part two yeah. of these. So maybe yeah, next time we'll we get you out here for that softball game yeah. or yeah. Joyce thing and get you online in the studio. Yeah. So we'll be in exactly. touch. You, you've got yeah. a unique road, man. And I, you know, I, I know I yeah. said earlier, I'm jealous. I mean, I meant that in a way of love because my love for yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you found a way to do something that I love yes. to do in the social justice space. And, and I want to figure out how we can help you and help us leverage that. So we, we will Definitely. be in touch. And thank you so much for, yeah. for lending your voice to our audience. We appreciate yeah. it. Y'all are so welcome. Thank you for having me. And I need all the help I can get, brother. So let's come together. All right. right. And I'm going to tell my ex that that's not the bay. (laughs) 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 Monterey and Seaside is not the bay. (laughs) That ain't the bay. Nah, nah. Are you drinking drinking E40's wine out there? Oh, you know, I have. I have. Man, I always support you. He's doing good with that winery you got, man. Yeah, he is, man. We proud. We proud of any black people using what they can to do what they can. You know yeah. What I'm yeah, yeah. So you said you've been to Giants games, right? Oh yeah, I've called Mayhem. Uh, lucky to go the one that Barry Bonds broke the tie with his uncle, and did you? No, but I went to a couple of them. No, that I went was to my whole brother that threw that pitch. So 
Word. <laughs> Nick's brother was a pitcher and yeah. threw that pitch to him. Yeah, that broke the tie with his uncle. Oh, yeah, into the water. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I did not. But tell him I said thank you for that pitch. <laughs> well, That's get to the lab, thing. man. I know you're on your way to the lab. Uh, the drop some right. Advancing equity is not a one-year project. It's a generational commitment. There are too few people in the world willing to be the domino, too few people willing to take that fall.